It's when we try something new and it doesn't turn out. And then we internalize that and we think, well, I must not be good at this. That that feels so just, it's such a bummer. And you don't deserve that because you're a creative being. Like we were creative before we had credit scores, okay? Like (laughs) there were cave paintings before there were credit scores. So I'm going to need you to be creative because that's what you were born to do, okay? This is the Neurodivergent Creative. Spicy brains unpacking all the shame. It's time for you to come be creative. With Kaylin Fisher as your host and creative coach. They'll change your approach and tell you a joke to lighten your load and help you along or sing you a song. Hey, sunshine. It's me, Caitlin Fisher, and I'm back with another episode of the Neurodivergent Creative. Today's topic what makes an aspiring writer versus a real writer? And this is one of my favorite things to talk about. So, is any of this relatable just to get this out of the way? Uh, thing one, your Google Drive is a graveyard of works in progress. We're going to put heavy air quotes around progress because maybe you haven't opened them in 14 years. I don't know. Could just be me. Number two, you have a Pinterest board. Are the kids still using Pinterest these days? I love Pinterest. How are you using Pinterest? First of all, tell me that in the comments or DM me and talk to me about it. But you have a Pinterest board covered in like writing tips and writing advice that you pin because you get so excited and so super motivated to work on your novel or your memoir or whatever you're writing. But then you never look at that Pinterest board again. Also me, also guilty. I'll give you a link to my writing Pinterest in case it's helpful for you. And then thing number three is that you can get super motivated and write hours a day for weeks and then decide to throw your project in the river and never work on it again. That one's rejection sensitivity, I think. Anyway, this episode's for you, if any of those resonate. So here's a little thought experiment. You should write a book. You, listening, watching me right now, you should write a book. What goes through your head when I say that? (laughs) Like, panic? How does your body feel? Like, did you poop your pants? Probably, like, don't, don't poop your pants. That's my advice in general. So normally people have like one of two responses to me being like, you should write a book. Uh, Response number one is like, absolutely not. How dare you? I don't even know where to begin. Um, Because the assumption there is that a book is going to be very hustly, that they don't have what it takes to write a book, that it's just going to be honestly too terrifying and scary to do. And it is kind of scary. It's kind of scary to embark on such a large undertaking I should give myself a little bit more credit for having a book. That's pretty dope. I have one published book and then I ghost wrote a book. So I've written two books and I have like four more that I'm working on. Hooray. And then the second response to that is being like, yeah, I know. I know that I, I should write a book. I could write a book, you know, and it's a little bit more chill. They at least accept it, but they still might not know where to go. So which of these two categories do you fall into? I call one the hustling perfectionist. So the hustling perfectionist is definitely a creative person, but not sure how to take action. They don't have a consistent creative routine. They are not really comfortable being a beginner. And so they don't like starting new things because you're bad at it when you start and that sucks. They've tried 
all of the writing advice or all of the creative advice that the internet can offer, but it doesn't really work. This is often because we are neurodivergent creatives and typical advice is geared toward the neurotypical or at least the non-autistic neurotype. If it's not good right away, you quit. This is a big one for literally almost every single person that I have ever worked with in a group program in one-on-one capacity. That like when it's not good right away or if it's hard, the quitting, because it's like, I can't handle this. I can't handle this process. It's a little bit of an assumption that it's going to suck that bad the whole time. And it's a little bit like fear. Like, I don't want to do this forever if this is what it feels like. I get that. And it's also like, I don't know if I have what it takes and that I have the wherewithal to like deal with the suck in order to get through it to the other side. Like I'm, I'm not really into that process. I would rather just do the things that I'm comfortable with and already good at. Relatable. I understand. I am like you as well. The hustling perfectionist also, if I say you should write a book and they do believe me and they are interested in writing a book, they probably have a tendency to want that book to be like loved by everyone. Because honestly, writing a book that is controversial or not for everyone feels really risky. And I'm going to talk more about that next month. I'm going to do an episode on my own experience writing The Gaslighting of the Millennial Generation. And I'm going to do a deep dive into the people pleasing that I put into that book because I was so afraid of rejection. I was so afraid of people not agreeing with me, not getting it. And so I like really kind of watered down part of it because I wanted to be liked. And I suffered for it. I think my book suffered for it. It's it's still a pretty great book. I read through it and it's like, oh no, I have some banger thoughts in here. This is pretty great. But there are some areas where I'm like, I just wish that I would have been a little bit more authentic, a little bit more me, a little bit more willing to take a hard stance. So also the hustling perfectionist tends to hyper-focus and then abandon. And that's on ADHD. So there we go. That's why when you hire an ADHD writing coach, they help you stick with it even when your brain is like, no, the dopamine's gone. We find the dopamine again. Just it's like it's like sheep sometimes. I'm like, oh, how'd you get over there, little buddy? And then we just round you back up. I'm like a little sheep dog, but for your brain. I'm probably not going to use that in marketing. But uh, if you love it, I love that for us. So let's talk about hurting the sheep in your brain. The alternate to the hustling perfectionist is the balanced storyteller. So the balanced storyteller is able to take in advice, try it out, and keep what works. They understand that not all advice is for them, and so they are willing to do the trial and error of figuring it out. This is this is the life of the neurodivergent creative, right? Because we have to get comfortable taking in new things, trying it, and seeing like, does is this for me? Yes or no? Assuming that everything is supposed to work for you cuts off so many opportunities in your life because it really is in like the creative application and out-of-the-box thinking of trying to be like, well, could this work for me? Yes or no? Does it work as prescribed? Yes or no? Can I try it in a different angle or a different way? Yes or no? Like there's so much trial and error that goes into being an ADHD or ADHD person, especially creative person, where we're like, okay, well, I don't know if this method works or this 
technique works or this medium for my creative expression works, but we're just going to try it out and see what happens. And having that not reflect how you think of your self-concept as an artist, as a writer, as a creative, allowing that thing that you tried to just be a thing that you tried and not a moral judgment on yourself opens up so much opportunity. I want that for you. I want you to be able to like breathe in advice, breathe out what does not serve you and keep what is good for you. It's radical acceptance of how shit works. Let's do it. The balanced storyteller is also totally willing to draft and then make it better. So we've talked before about the 30% good first draft. We have talked about like the bare minimum creative routine or writing practice, like novel day. Being able to do it good enough and then go back and refine is the mark of the balanced storyteller or the balanced creative. The balanced storyteller also starts by telling the story that they want to tell. So if you are writing a book, don't write it for the people who are going to read it one day. You write it for you. You write the book that's on your heart. You tell the story that you need to tell. Often in the first draft, it's mostly for us anyway. I forgave my mother through my first draft. Like it's, it was epic. It was epic. The emotional processing that I was able to do in just writing out a story on my heart and then realizing like a lot of this is about me and it's, it doesn't need to be in the final book. And if I had forced it, if I had forced my own processing and my own storytelling that was just for my catharsis into a final copy, I think the book would have suffered. And then the balanced storyteller also is willing and able to like take breaks, to integrate the new skills they're learning, to celebrate their achievements. That's huge. You have to celebrate everything that you do, every single novel day, every single 20 minutes that you grab to write down a scene in your notes app on your phone. Those are things to celebrate because those are things that are feeding your creative spirit. And we love that. We want more of that. You probably have elements of both the hustling perfectionist and the balanced storyteller. Elements of both are very common, especially when you are focusing on like unlearning hustle. When when we are raised in this hustle and perfection, productive culture, productivity culture, where it's like, hey, hack your downtime so that you can start an Etsy store and make passive income while you sleep um, and also automate your toaster so that it makes breakfast for you in the morning. Like, we need to stop life hacking. Sometimes life is just about living it. We don't have to always be stacking like five things over the same 15 minutes. That is a byproduct and a symptom of a very sick society that prioritizes production over humanity, production over creative expression, production over just living and being present. No, we need to sleep. We need to turn our brains off. We cannot always be working. We cannot always be mastering. I love being an amateur at painting and art because it means that I'm just doing it because I like it. I don't have to master it. I don't want an art gallery show. 
I do it because I like doing it. And I love my amateur status. The word amateur actually comes from the same root as like amor, amar, love, because it's for the love of that thing. I want to do stand-up comedy. I'm probably only ever going to be an amateur at that because I love it. I don't want to be a famous stand-up comic. I don't want that to be my whole career, but I do want to try it. I do want to do it. And the willingness to just do something because it sounds fun and to never expect yourself to master it and become, quote, productive at it, that will set you free. If you're like, I just kind of want to take an improv class just to see what it is. And then you do that and you're like, that was so much fun. People are like, oh, so do you do improv now? And you're like, no, I just did it to try it. I had a great time. Okay. Are you going to be a dancer? No, I just took dance lessons because it's fun. Like I want to take belly dance. I want to do aerial yoga. I always wanted to do aerial yoga. It was going to be a reward for me when I hit a goal weight. And then obviously I went into eating disorder recovery. I have gained back the weight that I have lost. That's what happens when you stop dieting because your body thought it was starving to death. See my entire January series on body love and diet culture and all that goodness for more there. But uh, yeah, recently found out aerial silks have a very high weight limit. So as long as I have the core strength to like move my body around, which I can work on, there's nothing stopping me from doing aerial silks and aerial yoga. And I'm like, no shit. So now I'm so much more motivated to do like on the floor yoga and get some of my core strength back so that I can go hang from the ceiling suspended like Cirque du Soleil because that sounds so much fun. And if people are like, oh my God, do you want to do that? Like all the time? Like, no, I just want to do it once in a while because it sounds awesome. Honestly, it sounds like an autistic fucking day at the beach. Like, (laughs) because I don't like the beach because the sand is coarse and rough and it gets everywhere. And (laughs) I hate sand. But like swinging from a nice cozy thing suspended in the sand. Like, I just want to go hide in it. Like, like one of those like little swings for children, like the sensory swings. Yeah, no, I want a little sensory room for me as an adult. I want cat furniture like bolted to the ceiling so that I can go up there and like a little like ceiling couch cave and like watch TV from up there and read a book. I don't know. I'm autistic. Great. Okay, cool. Good talk. Good, good tangent, Kate. So back to writing, (laughs) back to the hustling perfectionist versus the balanced storyteller. Like try stuff, just do some things because you like it. And when you catch yourself in the hustle, right, where you feel, you're like, I don't know how to take action on this. Oh, in that moment, maybe the action is just to do it. Just get your hands dirty. If you're like, I don't know how to paint. I'm so sorry to tell you, you just need to put some paint on that canvas and whoosh it around. See how it moves. Like, see, see what happens when you mix two colors together. Like, and you thought you were going to make purple, but it kind of came out brown. And then you're like, what the hell's this? And so you go look up color theory. And you learn why it came out brown. I've learned so much about color mixing. Like just absorbing reels and like YouTube videos and tutorials and stuff about painting has improved my painting game without even touching like paint to canvas because I'm learning by watching and seeing people like do color matching and and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I get why I could have so much deeper of like shadows and color if I was doing it based on like color theory and like deepening, deepening the reds 
in the browns as opposed to just putting a darker brown on there as like a shadow. So I'm like, oh, cool. All right, I'm learning. Still an amateur, so much an amateur, but I love that. And that takes it from hustle to balance where I'm like, oh, tried that out, learned some stuff. Love it. Keep going. Keep doing stuff. It's when we try something new and it doesn't turn out and then we internalize that and we think, well, I must not be good at this. That that feels so just, it's such a bummer and you don't deserve that because you're a creative being. Like we were creative before we had credit scores, okay? Like (laughs) there were cave paintings before there were credit scores. So I'm going to need you to be creative because that's what you were born to do. Okay? Okay? Good talk. I love you so much. And in our fun little outro, I'm going to tell you about novel parkour. So if you want to get out of the hustling perfectionist mindset and into that balanced storyteller and outline your novel in five days, you're going to want to do novel parkour. So stay tuned for the deets on that. I love you. Stay hydrated. Take your meds and make sure to eat a fucking snack today. You're awesome. Oh, and before you go, we've got something that's going to take your storytelling game to the next level. My novel parkour challenge. It is free and you do not want to miss out. Picture this. Five days of high-octane writing adventure where you'll sprint through the twists and turns of crafting your novel outline. We're talking about diving in headfirst into the world of storytelling where your creativity knows no bounds and we're not getting hung up on perfectionism either. Novel parkour is ideal for ADHD and ADHD writers out there because we keep it fast paced, surface level outline so that you do not need to get bogged down in the nitty gritty details before you are ready to actually start writing. This is all about unleashing your creativity without overwhelm making it the perfect playground for boundless imagination. So head on over to the website, askfishfisher.com, sign up for Novel Parkour, the five-day challenge, and I will see you at the starting line. As always, I want to give a shout out to my amazing production team, the Pancake Copycats. They specialize in marketing support and podcast support for neurodivergent entrepreneurs, as well as songwriter Ashton Powers, who wrote and performed my opening jingle. See you next time.